What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackbine, joined always by my main man, Stephen Thompson. Find us on YouTube.com slash All Steelers Talk or subscribe anywhere. You get your podcast. We are recapping day 11. I believe it's day 11. I'm losing track of time here. Of Pittsburgh Steelers training camp live from Latro, Pennsylvania here at St. Vincent College. It was a hot one. You look a little uh you look a little sunny, and I won't lie, you weren't here today. How are you feeling, my friend? I'm feeling good. I didn't feel like I got a ton of sun today, you know. Like I, I was I was pulling pit duty today. Uh and they don't we're not, you know, if you know how pit works, like we're not standing out for two hours watching all the practice like you do at the Steve. So I, I did not get as much sun as you, but I appreciate it. I, I pre do I you know I, I like that no, looks good. So. Yeah, no, looks good. Looks tan. This is looking uh looking like July the August. It's August. See what I mean? I'm losing track of time. August sun is uh doing you well for the Steelers today. I gotta say it was it was a good day. It was a good day for this team. It, it came started a little boring. They ramped it up with some one on one sideline tackling drills. Gotta love that one. And then uh they ended it with a couple of trick plays that I think we gotta dive into. We'll talk about all of it plus more, answer all your guys' questions. So please make sure that you are dropping any thoughts. Any questions, anything you'd like to know as we approach the game on Friday in the comment box. And as always, like this video, share it, do the whole nine. Let's talk about today. Started off slow. I got to say there wasn't much excitement. Kind of felt like a Tuesday, just like, a, okay, getting back into the groove after a couple of days off. Game week, so things aren't going to be too fierce. Kind of keep it limited. Then you look down on the sideline. And there's some one-on-one drills. And you're going, okay, let's see some football get hit. Let's see what's going on. Um, I got a couple of I got a couple of winners that I do want to talk about first. Gunnar Olszewski looked real good, man. Real good. Real elusive. Shaking everybody off. Had a couple of real nice escapes on a couple of guys. Um, Darius Haggins, I think, definitely won the day against a name in Mark Robinson. Because we are going to talk about losers next. But Mark Robinson was not looking good against Darius Haggins. Anthony McFarland continues to just every chance he gets against Quan Alexander, a little 26 on 26 crime. He just wins every single time. It's like almost hands down. Like you just know if you, if you were a betting man, which we very much so are, I would put all of my money on Anthony McFarland winning against Quan Alexander every single time that they line up together. Um, and then our boy, Dan Chisnia, who, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Coming out of the woodwork these last couple of days. Um, had a real good one. Juked the ever-living hell out of Duke Dawson on the sideline. Felt real good about that one. I think Duke Dawson quickly falling out of whatever race he was in for a starting job in that nickel spot. But all three of those guys, I think, looked really, really good. Wish Darius Haggins had a, a route to this team. You know what I mean? You always talk about like guys who have a path to the roster. I don't think Darius Haggins necessarily does with Anthony McFarlane looking that good. But he's, uh, I think since those fumbles, he look, he looks very, very good. Let me tell you about some losers because I think that's where we got to talk here. Joey Porter Jr. looked horrific. Horrific. Yeah. So Joey Porter, not once, not twice, but three times got juked out of his shoes. And the second two were against Des Fitzpatrick in what looks like the worst effort I've seen from anybody today. And I don't think he tried. Like, I don't think it was necessarily a Joey Porter, you know, like just giving up on a play or something like that. It was more so a Joey Porter Jr. Just got way too. He was just pissed. He was just angry, you know, and then you let the emotions get the best of him. Took off early. So the way, let me align, let me visualize this for everybody listening. 
wide receiver standing on, let's say, the 50-yard line. Cornerback is standing on the, you know, 40-yard line. The Dan Tanner Morgan catches a pat or catches the snap, throws it to the wide receiver on a little screen pass, probably about five yards. So the the corner could make a move before then. He's allowed to move. Joey takes off both times. Zero questions asked. He's like, I'm taking somebody's head off. Desmond Patrick catches it the first time, takes a little shuffle step, gone. Joey Porter right off of him. No, like what effortless. They line it back up. He does the same exact thing. It's the same exact play. Looked exactly the same as the play before. Shakes him off. This comes after Gunner shook him off earlier in the play, and then Gunner and him ran it back again, and Gunner shook him off again. Bad, bad day, I think, for Joey Porter Jr. on those ones. I think the other two, Mark Robinson looked rough, man. He looked like he was trying to take somebody's head off, and everybody was just like, all right, dude, Like if you slow down for two seconds, you're making a tackle but you you just don't want to do that, um, which we'll get into. I think he bounced back big. Hakeem Butler looked atrocious, like atrocious, man. It's just like it, it just looks like there were no there was no effort when he got that football. It was just like, I can't do anything. I can't get around you. I'm a one trick pony. This is all it is. This isn't my drill. I'm going down. And it wasn't like a, it, he didn't lower his shoulder. I mean, it's hard for six, seven, got a lower shoulder, but, you know, he didn't lower his shoulder. There was no impact. It was just strictly like. Eh. Eh. and there it was it was it was boring yeah dude, even if a guy like him can't lower his shoulder like i don't know you're six seven and uh, i don't have his you know weight in front of me but he's a big dude like he should be able to have some power maybe use a stiff arm once in a while like use your long legs to get around a guy like i get it a one-on-one you know he's not shifty you know he's not like nope. he's not gonna press you with that but you expect a little bit more from him. Like guys that big should at least have some kind of moves in their bag. Like at least the stiff arm, like I said, like give me one of those. Come on. That's what I need from, from a guy like Hakeem Butler. Dude. And I'm saying like, I, my thought the first time was jump them. Just go, go <laughs> yeah. airboard. Why are you not going yeah. airboard, man? If everybody's going low, go airboard. Like you are, you're going to I'll jump everybody. Like that's totally fine. No, it looked, it was bad. And uh, let's see that. Oh, and it wasn't even like losses to bad names either. It was Tristan Thompson or Trenton Thompson. Oh, mm. there goes the lights. We back on? <laughs> no. Give me one sec. Trenton Thompson looks. All right, keep it going. Yeah. Trenton Thompson. Trenton Thompson was the guy he was. Yeah, you can't be losing reps to Trenton Thompson, I think, if you want to if you want to make this team as a wide receiver. Um, nothing against Trenton Thompson, but Hakeem Butler – I don't know. I had higher expectations for him. Um, Noah and I talk about this almost every day when I'm out there. Like, I'm not rooting for Hakeem Butler, I would say, but I was a believer in Hakeem Butler, and he has just not lived up to the hype, you know, at all, um, or at least the hype that I had for him. Maybe I had too high of expectations, but, you know, just after that, uh, forget what day it was, either day two or three. And, oh, no, it was first day of heads. I remember it was first yeah. day of heads, and he. Moss two guys like on on deep balls I think and I think like guys who I thought have looked pretty good at certain points of camps I think one was Luke Barku and I forget who the other one was over but they were real guys but to the the practices ever since have just been pretty lackluster and just haven't really seen anything from him when he started actually had a pretty decent place and, and showed that jump ball ability that that was pretty evident when you see a yeah. six seven guy walk into the walk into the room like you got to have those but there's just been kind of nothing else. 
So I, I've, I've kind of put it together today because when were we were here last Sunday, Sunday, we were talking about, okay, the Akeem Butler agenda is back on. We're good. This guy's, yeah. this guy's good again. And then he comes out here today. He has another bad day. Or I wouldn't even say a bad day. It was just a bad drill. And then I kind of, I kind of lost track of him. You know, he didn't really do anything that really stood out. And it just seems like this is a guy that every time you're on the verge of giving up on him, he does something. And then you kind of go right back to giving up on him again. You know, it's just like a constant cycle, like just riding the thread, like just staying on the line as long as he possibly can. And I don't think that works. Like, I don't think that's going to land you a roster spot. I don't think that's going to let, you know, like you're not going to become a superstar that way. Nothing. You're not. The NFL dream is not built off of one of three days of practice being good. That's just not what happens. And I kind of feel like that's like the trick that's where we're falling with this guy because even with minicamp, it was one really good day and you're like, Oh, okay. Hakeem ball. They're carrying that momentum. Let's go. You come out here. Boring, boring. Okay. Good day. Good day. Boring, real bad, real bad. Good day. Bad day. You know? And you're just like three good days of what are we at now? 11 days here, three days at minicamp, 14 days of practice. That's just not enough. That's going to make an NFL team. And you know, I just think that, I think right now, if there's a place for him, it's the practice squad, which stinks, dude, because that like you just so like you just look at this guy and you just go, there's a reason that you continue to get second chances. And like if you could just make it happen, you're going to be you're, you'd be so good, dude. At bare minimum, you'd be like just like a big body to just say, hey, whatever, you know? Yeah. This guy was, I mean, this guy was listed as a, a backup, a backup receiver on the latest. Yeah, action. yeah. On the, I, don't, yeah. I don't know how much that actually like means, you know, going forward and means for his roster spot, but clearly the, the Steelers see something in this guy. They see that he could be a weapon and he just kind of refuses to, I think, capitalize on the optimism that they have for him. It, and just the highs of the highs have not been high enough to justify or to account for cover for how low the lows have been. Exactly. Exactly. I think that at this point, like, yeah, like, I don't know, like I'm, I'm putting almost zero stock into the depth chart. Like as we both are, you know, we both kind of looked at that one and went, all right, you think Mike Tomlin saw this? You think he proofread this before <laughs> it went out or no? And I, I truthfully, I don't know if he did. Um, but that's just, like you said, like, I just don't think there's, he's quickly falling off the radar and that's, and that's just the end of the line. It's for some guys, the, the Joey Porter jr. Bugged me a little bit just because, like you're not known as the coverage guy. You're known as like a physical guy who can't tackle. What are we doing? Like where where is your place in the defense and what is your role and so on and so forth? That one got me, especially against a guy like Des Fitzpatrick. But to be honest, like it's not even the missed tackles. I think what's getting me is that I noticeably recognized that he was getting a little in his head and that's why he ran up there. And I'm starting to think, you know, is losing to George Pickens like this, is it? Is it starting to get to him? Like, is he starting to break a little bit? Is that a concern? Because, I mean, Joey hasn't won against George Pickens. Not one time. And, you know, you're looking at this, and we keep saying, like, you know, he won the day that last week, and then he, he's had a couple of good plays, and overall he's still losing. Are we hitting a point where it's like, is he in his head? You know, is he is he just that angry at George? Is the trash talk getting to him? You know, he's a rookie. You know, he's and, and maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the most telling thing was, like, the way you described it. He made the same mistake twice, um, you know, like going against Des Fitzpatrick in the open field. He just didn't make an adjustment after, you know, 
losing a rep the first time. And that's mm-hmm. where I think the, you can kind of see some frustration settling in. And look, I, I look, I get it. Like, you know, if you're matched up on George Pickens every time, no one has been able to cover him. No one has yes. been able to win against him. And Joey's done about as well as anyone else on the field has and on this team has. But I could totally understand if, you know, these losing these reps are start like no matter how well you play, like how matter how good the coverage is, getting beat is getting beat. And, and that's yes. that sucks. And that that's not fun, especially when it happens over and over again, especially for a guy like Joey who I think has a lot of confidence in himself and I think people had a lot of confidence in and just expected so much of. So if things don't click right away, I could totally understand a situation where he starts to get in his own head and he starts to feel like he's not letting the team down, but just not living up to his own expectations for himself. And, you know, you hope that's not the case and, and, you know, there's a long road to go and you just hope maybe like, and and that was, I think maybe part of the concerning part was they matched him up with someone that he in theory should win against, you know, Desper Patrick is a guy that he should win every time against, or at least most of the time and the vast majority of the time. And he didn't, in fact, he got beat pretty bad twice in a row. Pretty bad, man. I wish you were standing there because you you would have had the same reaction as me. I was just like, oh, not again, man. And then when he started running the second time, you're like, oh, this is gonna be even worse. And it was. It was it was way worse. Yeah. I you know, look at I think Friday will tell us a, a lot about Joey Porter Jr. and our expectations for him, but I am starting to get a little nervous. They're not like nervous as in maybe Joey's a bad player, just nervous as in like what's the year one ceiling for this guy and right. how long is it gonna take before he before he kind of hits it. Uh, Ryan, we'll get to your question here, guys. We've heard about Joe, about Broderick Jones, Joey Porter Jr., Darnell Washington, Nick Herbig. You guys got anything on Keanu Benton? I, I love the pick as well. I think that he does fit very well. I will say that when it comes to Keanu Benton, there's not a lot to talk about because there just hasn't been a lot in general. You know, I don't think that the Steelers, for two two things. One, Unless you're a pass rusher, then you're it's it's very tough to say that you've made a ton of plays here at training camp. You know what I'm saying? Like like unless you're like noticeably going to sack the quarterback and like you can't sack the quarterback, but unless you're noticeably in the backfield, it's tough to say like, oh, that was the guy that got his hands on it. And I think that's the same way. Like unless it's a big play, guys don't necessarily pay a ton ton of attention to the defensive line because there's so much going on with it. But I think the second thing there is that the Steelers are doing a lot of things like running to the outside, running only on goal line. Once the second team comes in, it's really tough to judge if Keanu Benton looks really good against, you know, Bill Dunkel or if Keanu Benton just is really, really good. Um, I would say that there hasn't been Keanu's made some very nice plays, you know, like he had that bad ball a couple of days ago. Yep. He's had a couple of run stuffs that I've noticed, especially I, I believe he had one today against Anthony McFarlane. Um, there's just been really nice plays from him. I think that the guys around him, my thing with the defensive line right now is how do you cut a guy, you know, and how do you decide who plays? Because I think every single one of them has looked very good. Montrevious Adams shocked me. He looks really good. Isaiah Loudermilk looks like he took another step forward. Armand Watts is making plays. Braden Fayoko is making plays. Keanu Benton's making plays. There just isn't anybody on this line that you're sitting there going, well, they're cut. And I think that's what's tough right now is that, like, they all just look so good that it's tough to, like, with the rest of them. Like, Broderick Jones is the same way. Like, 
there hasn't been a moment where you're like, duh, Brad, you know, Roger Jones, that was that's it. That was the moment right there. You know, there hasn't, I, I think there was one moment with Joey Ford Jr., but like we talked about, it was against Cody White. What are you gonna do there? Darnell Washington's had his moment. Nick Herbig started out this camp on fire. But I just think the other two, especially Keanu Benton, has just been, you know, in such a good defensive line that everybody just looks very, very good. Yeah. And to your point, that's a it's a situation where if Benton's not making plays and not standing out, you know, if he's does if he's not making those big splash or impact plays, he kind of looks like he's falling behind. And that could be true or not. Like you said, it's real hard to read the inside of the defensive line given, you know, like all like you said, it's crowded. You know, it's hard to watch. It's not something that the Steelers are uh, really testing, like with their offense, just when they do team yeah. drills. It's not the interior of the, the defensive line is not something they're testing um, uh, really often. So it's a little hard to read. But like you, you know, getting back to the original point, like if he's not making those splash plays, it's real hard to stand out. Um, I that I was a little more concerned, I think, at the beginning of camp when, you know, maybe a, a, a few days in or a little over uh, a little under a weekend when I didn't notice Keanu Benton at all. Cause like Ryan said, I liked the pick too. I thought it was a good fit and I thought he had a real good chance to honestly start right away, but he just hadn't shown up and you were kind of waiting. You kept checking your watch. Like when, when's this going to happen? Like when's this guy going to explode? When's he going to yep. kind of realize that potential? And when he didn't, I got concerned. I think I'm less concerned now though. I think there's definitely been some plays that you're like, okay, there he is. I've noticed him. That's he's checking in. And I think later in, you know, these preseason games will obviously be telling. Um, Yeah. I think that's when he'll show up a little bit more when there's live competition and stuff. Exactly. I think that's the biggest thing is his, his strength is when you run the football and the Steelers haven't really, like, it's like, why haven't we talked about Najee Harris or Jalen Warren a lot? It's because they just like, haven't, focused much attention there and i don't know why but they haven't and i think once we get into real games and he like the defensive line is unstoppable you're like oh okay keanu benton's here man and this is this is it and i think we will get get to there um but like you said it's like tough and i want to bring this to you guys like as much as possible i want to i want to give you all those observations but you know it's just it's just it's just tough right now um want to get to anthony mcfarland want to get to calvin austin and definitely going to talk some kendrick green playing fullback first we just got a word here from our sponsor, Aura. If it plays. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I think I messed it up here. Well, I tried. Tried our hardest. Let's talk about it, Calvin Austin. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> All right. First, we're going to talk about uh, Anthony McFarlane here. Shout out to Aura. If you guys use them, cool. If not, we'll talk about them later. Um, Anthony McFarlane, how does he look? Is he still, still competing well or back to just being a practice squad hero? Um, Calvin Austin looked good today. Just like we started the show off with dude, him and Quan Alexander, 26 on 26 crime. He is undefeated in that. And I'm talking one-on-one running back linebacker pass drills, one-on-one, which I guess heavily leans towards Anthony McFarlane in that favor, but one-on-one on on the sideline drills smoked Quan Alexander today twice. I just think that he has continued to look good and they're utilizing him in space. Just like I said, they kind of turned their back a little bit on the running backs as a whole and just kind of started doing other things and utilizing other players and focusing on other position groups. But overall, McFarland has not slowed down. I think at this point, like it's almost safe to say that if you're going to put out a 53 man roster, he's on it. 
you know, and I don't think that Hagens would be the closest, I think, in competition. And I just don't think that he's real competition. Yeah, and I think that says more about the kind of camp Anthony McFarland's had than honestly the camp that Darius Hagens has had. Anthony mm-hmm. McFarland has been uh, like just in terms of guys uh, guys at training camp, he has probably been the most consistently impressive player like across yes. the board. Uh, like it was from the start, and I think we've talked about him almost every day, every time we've done one of these live streams, if not every time. Um, and I think we pointed this out before, but it's the stacking days. You know, it's like when Anthony McFarland used to impress you, it was like one day and you were like, oh, there's a flash. Like there's something that we yep. can, that we can kind of, that we can latch on to, but kind of fizzled out pretty quickly. This is every day and it is complete, like it is a complete performance. So it is, it's catching the ball, it's running the ball. And it is also, I think in backs on backers, you know, his blocking has been pretty impressive too against, against guys like that. And I think the other thing is when you think about like those one-on-one drills against Quan Alexander, those are the situations that the Steelers are going to put him in. If he's going to be an effective player for them and make any kind of impact for them this year, they're going to try to find situations for him to get one-on-one with coverage linebackers. And like you said, that favors Anthony McFarland. But like, yeah, that's that's the situations they're going to put him in because they does. Like, I think they're going to find advantageous situations for him, which is why I do kind of put some stock into him beating Quan Alexander, who's also supposed to be a really good coverage linebacker. You know, those are... Those are the matchups Anthony McFarland thrives in, and that's, you know, those are situations I think the Steelers can put him in. Like, you're not going to double, you're not going to put a corner on Anthony McFarland. You're not going to double cover him. Like, he's going to get his opportunities to beat guys in space, and if he can do that, this Steelers offense gets just adds another wrinkle to it, and they get a little more diverse. They get a little more difficult to cover, and you know, Anthony McFarland can. I truly believe, even as a running back, three can be a weapon for this team. I 100% agree, 100% agree. I think that, uh, like, I've had this conversation with others, and I'm not ready to bring it mainstream yet, and I'm not ready to put my my name on this opinion, but I think that if Jalen Warren and Najee Harris traded draft stocks, we're having a real conversation about who the, the RB1 is, and I think that if Anthony McFarlane is a rookie, we're having a real conversation about how big his impact can be. You know, and I get that it's year four, and that changes things, and you have to always take that into consideration. I 100% get that. But I think that if he didn't have the reputation of, well, it's going to fall apart at some point, you'd be right. looking at Anthony McFarlane going, man, dude, this kid looks real good, real good. And I think that the biggest thing is that we're not the only ones that are acknowledging it. Like all the players, Mike Tomlin, Anthony McFarlane himself have all acknowledged that like th- there's a different feel to him this year. And it's more you you don't see one splash play, like you said, and then he kind of disappears or one big day. It's consistency and it's every single day. And you you're starting to feel like he is just part of this offense. It's not like, Oh, and we've gone from they're trying to get him into the offense to he is part of the offense, you know? And I think that you could use him in those spots. And just like you said, like even the blocking, like there's a picture. If you go on Steelers.com and you look at the photos of week two, there is a picture of Anthony McFarland blocking a Landon Roberts in backs on backers and winning. And you're going, that should never happen. That should ne- like last year. That doesn't happen. He, he eats it and it's bad this year. It's okay. There, that was huge. You know, way to hold yeah. your own way, way to, way to keep up. And I think that the steps he's taken are just, like you said, there's nobody that looks better than him on the field. Maybe outside of George Pickens, but right. you know, outside of that, I just think I think that the growth from Anthony McFarland to year three to year four is wild. He's got low miles on him. 
even from college, like he played two years in college, really only played one good season and or contributed in one season. And here he is like he this dude's still raw and he's still developing. And I think that you could 100 percent find a place for him in the offense. And I think that the Steelers are going to. And I think that in this first preseason game, they're going to really lean on him heavy and say, let's see what you got, man. Let's see what you could show us. And I think that it's it, what he shows is going to be real. Um, if Calvin Austin wins all the return duties, there will be no real reason to keep Gunner or is Gunner an important special teamer. So my thing with Gunner is I agree that Gunner's importance on the roster is very low, but I also don't think that anybody else in the wide receiver group has looked good enough to replace him. I think that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I don't think Gunner looks any worse than he did or any better than he did a year ago. I think he looks exactly the same, but I don't think that I don't think Hakeem Butler is worthy of a roster spot right now. I don't think Jordan bird is worthy, worthy of a roster spot. If he's not a kick returner, uh, Des Fitzpatrick came in here with some, some momentum. That's pretty much died down to nothing. Jamarcus Bradley just got released. I just think that at this point there's maybe outside of Cody white, but I still think that, like if you if you're gonna keep one of those two, why not just keep Gunner and put Cody White on your practice squad? Because nobody's gonna pick up Cody White. Right. Somebody will probably pick up Gunner. Like I just don't think that there's anybody who really challenges him right now for that final roster spot. Yeah, let me ask you. Do you so how many? So is Gunner the sixth or the fifth wide receiver? Like how many do you? Think I would say have? the sixth. I'd say Miles. Mm-hmm. Miles is the fifth because I think Miles has a spot. I oh, think it goes okay. George, Deontay, Allen Robinson, Calvin Austin. Miles Boykin and then Gunner. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Cause that's the thing. This receiver's room is like loaded, honestly. Like it, it feels pretty deep. Uh, and everyone's kind of got a role and a niche. Uh, I, I do kind of, I, I see what you're saying with the, you know, Gunner with the question. You know, Gunner could be a little redundant if Calvin Austin is really that guy as, as a returner. But like you said, like I'm, I'm not sacrificing Gunner for Cody White, her Hakeem There it goes again. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not giving up a roster spot for one of those guys. Cause uh, you know, at the end of the day, Hakeem Butler and Cody white might give you something different. They could theoretically be better guys for your, like to play offense, but you're not counting on, I'm not counting on my six wide receiver to play offense. I'm counting on him to be a much better contributor on special teams. Um, make some plays there. Like, and, and like you said, if I want to keep Cody White around, I can keep Cody White and Keem Butler around. Like those guys are yep. not getting picked up off my practice squad. I, I completely agree with that point. Like Gunner, Gunner has the experience. Gunner is someone who will get picked up if you if you let him go. So hang on to him. And I, I feel like you're you're in a really good spot with your wide receivers. Yeah, it's just like the conversation we had the other day. And I, I'm sorry if you mentioned this when my headphones were off, but the the argument that me and you had was do you keep Kevin Dotson because you'd like to have four guards? And it's the same thing with Gunner. Like what if Calvin goes down? Well, okay. We have Gunner like, cool. That's a pretty, that's the easiest replacement that you could possibly have. And if you get rid of them, you know, like you're not really, you're not replacing him for anybody who adds that same amount of value. And I just think that that's where we are with him. Do I think that he plays much offense? No, but you know, I think that if you're going to, it's the same reason that you keep back up, offensive linemen it's the same reason that you keep back up safeties and back up corners like there's you know no place for i don't know 
if they keep Spencer Anderson, what is what is his value? Zero. But if somebody goes down, he's suddenly got value. And I think that that's the same thing with Gunner right there is just to have that backup returner just in case. Who could also play offense, worst case scenario, if need be? It's not somebody that you want to rely on. But if you have to, you're not like, you know, you're not stuck with Cody yeah. White or yeah. Hakeem Butler. Like else. you're not. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, What do we think of Kendrick Green playing fullback, man? I can tell you this. It's official. There are no, there's no more debate. There's no more, is Kendrick Green going to be a fullback or a center or what is he? He is a fullback. He is still practicing at center. He's still taking snaps at center. Cool. He is a fullback. He took the first snap on first team reps at fullback today. He took the last snap of first team reps at fullback today. He lined up in goal line at fullback and led Najee Harris for the simplest touchdown run I've seen all summer. And I can tell you that, like, I tweeted it out the other day, and I said, Kendrick Green lead Najee Harris at the goal line. Who's stopping that? Nobody. And we saw it today, and he took out not one, but two players at the goal line, and Najee just walks in. And you go, yeah, that should happen every time, every right. single time. Um, I'm all on board for Kendrick Green. Uh, he's athletic enough to play fullback. He's got hands. He's working. You know, I think that – I think Kendrick's got – you know, he, he – Kind of reminds me of Patrick Ricard, you know, who who the Ravens are actually trying to turn into an offensive lineman, and the Steelers are out here just going, "What? What a bunch of idiots, man! Why would you do? Look, we just took this out of your playbook, and it's working, and you're yeah. going to ruin this? Like, no, I think it's a great idea, and I think that right now, Kendrick Green, I'm chalking him up as a fullback, fullback one, and uh, I'm feeling real good about it. Yeah, um, I'm you know starting to look up. Uh you know, over under touchdown odds for oh yeah Green for the season. Cause he's going to score. I don't know. I feel like if I could put, uh, put some money down on Kendrick Green to score multiple touchdowns, several, just Ooh. two, like over one and a half. I feel like yeah. I would take that. I feel like you'd get great odds on that and you'd have a lot of fun rooting for that week in week out. But yeah, I like the, I, I like Kendrick Green as, as the fullback. Um, I'm happy he got like another chance. Like, I don't know. This clearly wasn't going to work out as an offensive lineman. Um, but I like that he's getting a second chance. Um, it's just, it's funny that like, okay, oh, apparently all they needed to do to get Kendrick Green to block was to give him a full head of steam and a running start. Uh, yeah. That's like, that's just interesting. Um, that's what but, he did in college though. That's the thing is like coming into college, all you, like every single one of this guy's highlights out of Illinois is him pulling and just lighting up a linebacker. And you're going, oh yeah, that was it. And then he had to block in line and you're just like, why does he stink, man? Why is he not yeah. good? It's just like, oh, because he was a fullback who would just play guard. That's just all he did. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, it was, wasn't his fault. He was playing out of position. It was, it was his coach's <laughs> fault. I think that's what we figured out. So yeah, good for Kendrick Green. This is... I don't know. Occasionally, this can be kind of a, a a lull in training camp, but Kendrick Green has just brought this thing to life. Like he is, I think he has put a shot in the arm of of the Steelers fan base and especially Steelers media. I think everyone's having like, I, I don't know. That's like that's. I, I just think it's a nice story. I think it's nice that they kind of believed in Kendrick Green and are like finding a role for him. I don't know. I think it's a nice story. I like it. No, I agree a hundred percent. I think Kendrick's a good dude. I. I think that Kendrick is talented. I think he's a mean football player. I think he's just undersized and wasn't meant to be an offensive lineman. You can be a full. I mean, this is a way better option than Connor Hayward. Ten times the yeah. option, you know, as a blocker, way better option than Connor Hayward. Way better than Derek Watt. Like this is way better than Monty the Mullet. 
That guy, that's probably why he retired. He probably saw the writing on the wall. Somebody, yeah, he was sitting in in an offensive meeting and Matt Canada writes on the board 53 at fullback. And Monty goes, What the heck, man? That's me. And then he called whoever afterwards and they said, Yeah, you're not going to beat that guy out. Have you seen his college tape from Illinois? He pulls all the time and he goes, Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. Well, I do. And on a more serious note, like I like how this frees up Connor Hayward. Like the biggest thing I was worried about with this whole like move to H back or fullback or something was can he block? Like, is that yeah, you know, is he gonna get run over all the time? But you don't really have to worry about that now, you know? Like that's you need a blocker out of that spot. Kendrick Green, baby. I'll do it all day. All day, all day. Huge fan of Kendrick Green, a fullback. I mean, if you're a fullback guy, go buy a Kendrick Green jersey, man. That is as Pittsburgh of a fullback as it possibly gets. Hundred percent. All right. Um, are we concerned about Kenny Pickett's red zone stats, um, in comparison to Brock Purdy? I've actually heard from people, multiple people in San Francisco that Brock Purdy looks atrocious right now, which is not, I guess, not great for them. I don't really care as a Steelers guy, but I mean, not good for them. I've also heard Trey Lance looks terrible. So just all around, you know, I mean, my source is Grant Cohn. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, (laughs) Collie, good guy, great guy, but some people don't really, don't really like him. But he's he loves watching those quarterbacks and hasn't been hasn't been great. Uh, worried that Kenny's not the guy. Let me tell you this, and I I said this yesterday in my to go, is that my views on Kenny Pickett are very simple. I think that once we get in games, we understand who Kenny Pickett is. We understand whether or not he's got it. We understand where that second year leap is in comparison to year one. Until then, until we have a full game, we have no idea how good Kenny Pickett is. All we could say is that the Steelers are putting as much pressure on this guy as humanly possible in training camp. They are giving him the worst scenarios possible in two-minute drills. They are constantly pushing, putting him without his starting wide receivers or pulling his offensive linemen or doing this or doing that or making him you know, play at the red zone or the goal line. They are making life ex- extremely difficult for him in big moments. And I think that that is huge because I think it's only going to drive. It's like I compared it to putting the donut on the baseball bat when you're taking those warm-up swings. You know what I mean? It's heavy Mm -hmm. when you take it off and you got Deontay Johnson and Allen Robinson and George Pickens and Calvin Austin and Pat Fryermuth. And none of these, you were throwing to Cody White in a two-minute drill during training camp. Now there's a minute 50 on the clock and you have Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Pat Fryermuth, all these guys who could catch, who could actually make plays life becomes a ton easier. And I think that until we have the opportunity to actually see that in action, I don't really know how to go about Kenny Pickett outside of the fact that I believe that they are preparing him correctly. I agree with their approach and preparing him for year two. Yeah. uh, You know, make the practice harder than the game. So the games are easy. You know, Um, that's a pretty classic strategy. It makes sense. Um, and Kenny is a guy that I think you count on to thrive under pressure. So yeah. I, I don't think he's looked awful in camp, despite, you know, like you said, the Steelers making making life really difficult on him. So I think it's okay to be encouraged, but I think it's also okay to be kind of cautiously optimistic and enter enter the regular season with a little bit of, okay, let's actually see, let's kind of reserve judgment until, you know, we can actually see him see him work with the full team and, and see him in a lot of a lot of game situations. Do you think he'll he'll play a lot on Friday or do you think they'll kind of hold him out? 
I don't know. We talked about that today. We asked him about it, and he said that he doesn't know until Friday. I think that this will be the game he plays the most. Man, maybe, maybe next week will be the game that I don't expect him to play in the third preseason game. I expect that to be like no starters. That's Tanner Morgan time, baby. Tanner, Tanner Morgan time, baby. Talked to Tanner Morgan today. I was like, hey man, what do you uh, what are you getting from all those mental reps? And he's like, let me tell you, there are a lot of plays where I'm sitting back there going, man, I would not have thrown the ball there, but it was a complete <laughs> pass. And I'm like, ah, right, cool, cool, cool. Um, I don't. I if I if I had to guess, I'd say maybe a quarter. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe. Um, I do expect him to roll out there. I do, I, I actually definitely do, but just how much I don't know yet. I'd say at max a quarter, minimum maybe two drives. You know, and then it depending how they feel about the second game. I think is their their game plan. But I agree with you 100%. I think on Friday, we're going to get a huge view on everybody on this team. Um, and I don't know how big of a view we'll get on Kenny Pickett, you know, in, in in three drives. But I do think that, I just think that once the season, I think that they are, just like you said, I think they're doing everything to get this guy ready for when those moments of judgment come. And until then, I'm, I you got to feel, feel good about it. Um, yeah, just so we are clear on this, he is six five. I looked it up after we said it like the eighth time, and I was just like, I don't think he's actually six seven. He is only six <laughs> five. It doesn't matter, man. I'm five eight on a good day, and he's big. Six, yeah, dude, six big. five. Still at, once quick. you're over six like three, you're just ginormous. Like yeah. you're either, if, especially on an NFL field. If you're in the NBA, I guess it's a different story. There's like three people that are taller than six five. If you're six five on a football field, yeah. and the other two aren't playing. So yeah. you're, you're the only, you're the only one, uh, there, but you know, like I said, we'll see more about, uh, about that, you know, as we get things rolling, uh, Nick Herbig legitimate off the edge. I thought Nick Herbig has looked fantastic. Every time I've seen him out here, I think the edge rushers have died off a little bit, but I also don't think that I've necessarily been paying a lot of attention to them that much again i think that it's tough because you can't actually sack a quarterback and that once the pads come on it's not like when the pads aren't on it's okay one guy's in the backfield and it's very clear that one guy's in the backfield when the pads come on it's like okay one guy's in the backfield four guys are in the backfield everybody's in the backfield oh, okay kenny pickett still threw the ball like it's it's really tough to judge who got there first who would have a sack um but i think he's looked good you know and i think that overall I think my other takeaway is like Marcus Golden has been kind of quiet. So maybe there's an opportunity for Nick to actually get some serious playing time this season and kind of showcase that. Yeah, absolutely. Nick Herbig has been another guy who's really impressed. He was hurt for a little bit, if I'm not mistaken. Um, practice today he was in pads, I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, he's he's been real impressive. That speed like has translated and and kept uh, that quickness has been real steady and has kept going. Like it's been with him throughout training camp and even you know when the pads come on, came on, and we thought that might uh, that might limit him a little bit, and he might take a step back. He really hasn't. I, I didn't think so. Yeah, Herbig's been real impressive, and like you said, yeah, I, I completely agree about Marcus Golden. I think there is an opportunity for Nick to kind of capitalize, especially like you know keep coming back to this. But Friday is going to be huge for him. Like I don't. Oh yeah. I don't think Marcus Golden is going to. I expect him to play a little bit more than Marcus, like a lot more probably than Marcus Golden. Like he's going to get a ton of work on Friday. So we'll see what he does there. We'll see if he can actually do it in a game, but training camp positive, like a plus, honestly. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Looks fantastic. I expect him to play. I honestly, I expect him to start because I don't expect TJ to play. I don't really expect Alex Highsmith to play that much. Maybe Marcus plays like a series, but I may, I expect it to be a lot of Nick Herbig. So, I feel uh, 
I feel I feel very good about what this kid has has brought to the table. I do want to get to uh, the ceiling of the Steelers, but I kind of want to finish on that one. So we'll see if there's any other ones here from a second. Shout out to you guys from Coachella. I don't know if Coachella is actually like happening right now, but that's awesome. It is. is it a, is it a real Where's place? Coachella? I think it's is California. It oh, okay. Lollapalooza is the one in Chicago, right? No, yeah, I have no idea. Good. There's one. No idea. I don't know music festivals. Yeah, me neither. I covered the Steelers during the season, during the summer, so I get to do these things. Um, all right, uh, there. I saw one at the end of the season. Who wins Steelers Rookie of the Year? This is a good one. I'm gonna let you answer this one first. Steelers Rookie of the Year. That's a good question. See, because I've died, I backed off of my. I think Broderick Jones starts eventually. Like I think maybe he starts a couple games here or there. But I, I honestly, I'm not convinced that he's a starter right away and that he's going to be the star that we kind of expected right away. So man, after our conversation about Joey Porter, I don't feel great about this, but I do think it ends up being him. Oh, I, I okay. I do think he ends up kind of bouncing back and, and getting a little bit better and getting that confidence back. I, I think it also has something to do with the fact that I don't expect a whole lot out of Darnell Washington and Keanu Benton. I think at this point, um, I think Nick Herbig will be in the conversation too, but still, I think Porter's going to get the most opportunity and just going to kind of bank on the talent and bank on him rebounding. I think I, I, I'm going to. Oh, we lost Steven. Don't know what happened. Um, So I'm going to keep going. These are the problems with the live streams, man. We try, we try our hardest. Doesn't always work. He's back. He's back. I don't know. I don't know either. All right, you figure out your things. I'm going to talk. So, Nick, I'm going to answer this while I answer my question here. So, rookie of the year, Benton. We went on a long Benton thing earlier. I would definitely recommend going to check that out. Don't think he looks lost out there. I think Keanu Benton's my pick here. I think Darnell Washington is my close second. Joey Porter Jr. is like the safest pick, and I agree with you there. Like, I think that that makes the most sense. I think Keanu Benton is going to make some plays once he gets the opportunity to. I think that he's also going to thrive in a defensive line that is just dominant, you know, and I think that he's going to be able, like you can't, at the end of the day, if you're paying attention to TJ Watt, paying attention to Alex Highsmith, paying attention to Cam Hayward, paying attention to Larry Ogunjobi, you got no pieces left to say, oh, Keanu, let's go get the second round draft pick from Wisconsin. You know, let's focus our attention there, especially when you got Cole Holcomb and Alandon Roberts and Quan Alexander, you know, coming off the wherever and Minka Fitzpatrick blitzing and, you know, Keanu Neal standing out there looking terrifying. Like there's just, there's just enough going on that I think Keanu makes an impact and I think by the end of the season, we're looking at a guy that's like, I don't know, maybe like maybe he only has two or three sacks, but I, I just think that I, I think that his impact will be significant. Yeah, like a whole bunch of pressures, but maybe not finishing off the sacks, maybe like, you know, collapse in the pocket a little bit, situational pass. I, I, I like that. I, I see it. I under, I get that. I just think I need to see a little bit more maybe in training camp, maybe in these preseason games. Like I might have a completely different answer. On Saturday, yes, Saturday games, Friday. So yeah. after you know, after we see these guys actually get some work, um, because it's a, I you know we haven't talked about it in a while, but it's like they have a lot of rookies. They just have a lot of rookies. yes, and a lot of guys who, a lot of these rookies who you think will actually, will actually like contribute. So it, like it's going to be rookie heavy on Friday night, and so we're going to learn. You know, we keep coming back to this, but we're going to learn a lot about this team and a lot about. It's depth and it's young guys, which, you know, 
I think everyone's been pretty excited about and for good reason. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm very excited for Friday. All right, let's end this with this bad boy right here. After seeing them up close a couple of times, not sure how many times you've been there every Sunday for the past five years, Alex, but I appreciate you. Uh, you guys have realistic ceilings for this team. I'm optimistic, but haven't been this excited since 2017. That's a long time. That includes the 2020 season where they went 11 and 0. So that's uh, that's exciting times. Let's I'll let you start this one as well. What's your realistic ceiling for the Steelers right now? I think my realistic ceiling is win the division, go to the AFC championship. I think okay. that's a that's a ceiling. And that's a that's a ceiling. I don't think they will I I have a hard time seeing a scenario where they go much beyond that. But I think winning the division is certainly plausible. Like that is I think this division is wide open and the Steelers have just as good as chance as really anyone. I mean, the Bengals are obviously the favorite, but I feel like people are kind of severely underrating this team and severely underrating both how also how competitive this division is going to be. So win the North and then things fall the right way and you could have a pretty favorable path like to the AFC championship game. Um, You know, if you're able to avoid, like I'm not super scared of Buffalo this year. I don't think anyone really needs to be. Um, That's, I I think they're kind of on, they're not going to have as good a season as, as they did last year. Um, uh, you know, and then it's just kind of Kansas City and and Buff and the and the Bengals, but they're really yeah. competitive with the Bengals. You know, they were last year, beat like split a series with them. Probably, sh- I mean, I think they were within one score of that game. At- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They and were. it was and it was two completely different games too, which I I think we don't really talk about enough. Like it was, it was um. Like there was the defensive struggle in week one, but then there was also like a shootout in whatever week that was later in the season. So I just think it's that yeah, just need. We're to finishing it. Dark. We're finishing it in the dark. This is what we're doing. Just it seems like it's getting darker. <laughs> They're right. trying to force you out. <laughs> even more. Like, get the I, message, buddy. I agree. I agree. All right. So two things before I answer here. For one, uh, shout out Mark. Appreciate you. We apologize for all the audio issues and for the lights. Obviously, this is what happens when you're on the road, man. St. Vincent College is not equipped for podcasts, I guess, but we, we try our hardest. We try our hardest. Uh, and second here for this one, why do I always tra- pronounce it Trubisky instead of Trubisky? Because I'm from Scranton, man. And you know, <laughs> anybody who's met me and talked to me for more than 10 minutes understands completely that everything I say sounds wrong. And it's just, I just can't do anything about it. You know, I try very hard, but I, I really, I just can't, I forget can't do anything it. about it. Thank you. I appreciate you. All right. My uh, my ceiling for the Steelers, realistically, is exactly what you said. I think that it is very possible for them to win the AFC North. I think that the Bengals are a team that right now don't have a quarterback, and I expect Joe Burrow to be fine and everything to be dandy there. But I also think that at some point, just like the Steelers, the runaway dominance of a division gets caught up and everybody starts to catch the guy at the top because that's who they're shooting for. And the Steelers for the past two seasons have been shooting for the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think at one point, teams are going to catch them. I also think it's really, really hard to win six games in your division this season. So I think that, you know, maybe you're only going to have to win four or three to win the AFC North as long as your record outside of the division is fine. Um, I think that it is very possible for them to win the AFC North. 
once they get in there, just like you said, um, <laughs> this is awesome. Thank you so much. This is exactly 20 minutes. Um, and I'll know that for next time. Um, so once they get in there, I agree with you. Buffalo doesn't scare me nearly as much as they used to. And I think that that's a team that, you know, guys have kind of left because they've understood that the ceiling may be where they are. The Chiefs are obviously terrifying. Baltimore is a team that I think the Steelers play tough every time, so I'm not overly concerned about them. And there's not really a team outside of that that screams like the Steelers can't win, you know? And I don't, I'm not saying that there's not good teams. I'm just saying like the Chiefs are the only team that if you told me the Steelers are facing the Chiefs in the AFC Championship, I'd say, oh, okay, well, chances are the Chiefs are going to win that. I just don't think that there's another team out there that, is that good, you know? So I think that I think anything's possible, but I think that if we're being realistic, just to stick with, I'm not going to say the Steelers are a Super Bowl team. I'm just going to say that I think that it is the ceiling right now for me is to stick in the regular season and to say that winning the AFC North is possible is very, very possible. And it, it, even if you got to factor in Matt Canada and you got to factor in a lot of new guys, but I think that the defense is good enough. And I think that Mike Tomlin's good enough. And I think that Kenny Pickett wins enough. And I think that, I think that that's, you know, they have the formula. It's just about putting it together. And I think that in the AFC North, that is very, very, very possible. So feel good about that one. Um, Making sure we didn't miss anything here. Darnell Washington, he's looked very good. Um, He's still developing, I would say. But go back to a couple of days ago when he had a really nice two-minute drill grab that I thought looked good. I think he's developing well. His hands are still a little rough, but as a blocker, he's ridiculous. There's an interview talking about him beating TJ Watt. You got to feel real, real good about that one. All right. With that, we're heading out of here. Thank you guys so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Again, I apologize for the lights, but St. Vincent College, man, you got to do what you got to do live from Steelers training camp. Make sure to go subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash all Steelers talk. Like this video, find us anywhere you get your podcast and check out everything coming from Steelers training camp at allsteelers.com. Me and Derek will be back tomorrow. Make sure you jump onto that one. It is sadly Derek's last show with us before he goes off to bigger and better things. We'll be breaking down everything from camp on top of, oh, I take that back. I'm lying to you right now. I'm lying to everybody. It will be me and Steven again tomorrow live. Tomorrow's only Wednesday. Losing track of days. Live from here, so make sure you jump onto that one. Then Thursday, me and Derek will be breaking down everything heading into the first preseason game. Thank you guys again for jumping on. Enjoy another Beautiful day in the Berg. Peace.